Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we take out a second mortgage for a down payment on the Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster Anniversary Edition. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including an opening date for Super Nintendo World at Universal Studios in Hollywood. And then on Thursday, we're bringing you a special episode from our favorite remote mountain getaway. But Mark, in the meantime, how's it going? It's going great, Patrick. I got a haircut over the weekend. Very nice. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, So, you know... You know when you get your hair like shampooed or washed at a at a barber, yeah, and th- it's like those sinks with a lip, yeah, and they always tell you where do they get those sinks? <laughs> we're not going there. Oh, all right, <laughs> this is not the premise that you were setting up. <laughs> okay, you know when they tell you that, um, uh, like let me know when it, you're comfortable. Right. I have never. Felt comfortable felt in that comfortable. scenario. And I don't know. And so I think the problem is that I would need somebody to like set me perfectly one time so I know what position my body's supposed to be okay. in. I mean, this and is. And then I can reproduce it. <laughs> like, I need an expert. <laughs> right, I need right. somebody to be like, this is what you should do. Because otherwise. Right. Well, okay. So, you know, I, I recently had a root canal, right? Uh, and my dentist would ask me like before, as we we're like trying to figure out what, how to treat what was happening in my mouth, she would say, are you in much pain? And I'd be like, I'm in some, pa-. like, I don't know. I need someone to be like, bam, that's much pain, you know? And then I have a, a point of reference. Cause like, as it stands, I'm not sure I have a solid base of like how I should feel either pain or comfort in any scenario. Exactly. It's like, well, compared to what? Compared like, to what? Like how compared comfortable, to what? how comfortable yes. am I supposed to be at this hair washing sink? Right. You're, uh, you're out of your house. You're wearing hard pants, like in shoes. How comfortable could you possibly be? Yeah. I mean, and look, yeah. maybe if I was wearing soft pants, to the barber shop. You know exactly what I mean. Though. I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't denigrating the designation uh-huh. of hard pants hard and pants. soft pants. Right. I know exactly what you mean. But I. I. I feel like. Um, I just like I don't know if comfort is possible, and so I lie all the time. Right. I'm just right. like, oh, this is comfortable because it's like, I guess this is fine. Like, how long am I going to be here? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like <laughs> how, long, how long is this going to take? I feel the, the same way in like a, not that I've had one in over a decade, but like in a massage situation, like I'm simply not ever going to be comfortable. And I'm, I'm such, I'm a ticklish man. Uh, I'm, I'm easily tickled. Please don't use that against me. Mark, that goes for you. This goes for everyone. I know that is please, bold of you to put it out please there. Please don't use that yeah. against me. Um, but like. Yeah, like I'm gonna get touched somewhere and have like a like a little giggle reaction, and I'm not gonna be comfortable. It's supposed to be relaxing. It's gonna freak me out a little bit. Yeah, you're right. Actually, this was this was good because I think we've discovered that it's like I don't know if they actually want you to be re- like it doesn't matter. Right. R- really, I think what they're asking is, are you gonna complain? <laughs> no, 
that's all you're you're totally right that's exactly that is so what it is where it's just like your call yep if you want me to change something it's in your hands do it now Uh because i will not tolerate complaining later speaking about not tolerating complaining later borrowing my copy of sonic forces for the nintendo switch would you like to all you gotta do is email us at nintendo cartridge society at gmail.com and give us a mailing address where we can send you my copy of sonic forces for the nintendo switch you play it for as long as you want you send it back i have paid for postage both ways it is the perfect borrowing program with the following exception, which is not an exception. It's just further part of what makes it perfect. There may be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in the copy of Sonic Forces. So you just play that instead or not play it instead. Whatever you want to do, it's totally up to you. Also, we wanted to give a huge thank you to Garrett for leaving us a review on Spotify. The, the, these these thank yous are so big. Let's call them big ups. They're big. These are big ups. We're giving big ups. Uh, to Garrett for leaving us a five-star review on Spotify and J88Fitness for leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, thank you so much, gentlemen. We've, we've stopped, uh, we've stopped uh, soliciting uh, reviews, but it uh, we appreciate it. All the more uh, when what not all the more like the we we appreciate it when, yes, when you do absolutely it. yeah so thank thank you so much um, to both of you for leaving us a review uh, all right Mark let's get into what we've been playing this week so I picked this up uh, weeks ago on sale. But never actually started it. It's Ukulele and the Impossible Layer. And I've had my eye, it was on my wish list for a long time because it uh, kind of has a reputation as being similar to Tropical Freeze. Like, oh, if you like Tropical Freeze, you'll really like Ukulele and the Impossible Layer. I never played the original Ukulele that was more like a uh, 3D collectathon in the vein of Banjo Kazooie. like, yes. Yeah. Um, Did you pick it up as part of the like four ninety nine sale? I can't remember how much it was. It might have been. I feel like it was like somewhere between five and ten dollars is okay, what I paid for this. Currently, both ukulele games are part of a like indie game sale that they're like four ninety nine. Oh, this was like a couple months ago that oh, I bought okay. it. All right. Yeah, but I just hadn't started it. But I was I've been in the mood for kind of just like uh, comfort, not really comfort food, but just like a like platformer, just something that I can like. Uh, just get into and enjoy. Right. And at at this point, I I think I would enjoy Mario plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope, but I'm really holding out for you that digital keep, to like get dirt it's cheap. Get so low. Exactly. At this point. Um. So started ukulele in the possible layer. I am not that far into it. I am maybe five or six levels in, and uh, it's interesting. It's I would not say that I am like immediately take like I don't didn't immediately click for me it, okay. because the platform is i would say like momentum based a little bit like not like sonic but you know i'd never played a sonic game before and then when sonic mania came out it took me a while to get used to it and that's so i'm trying to give that same sort of time to ukulele to ukulele um because it, it's kind of cool like you press y to roll and you can like roll multiple times and your momentum increases and so that can increase like your um the length you can jump and all that kind of stuff. But it's just taken me a little bit to get used to that, to like really get into the rhythm of it. Yeah. Um, but I- one thing that is interesting is th- these are some developers from like, that used to be a rare, right? Is yes. that, is that true? Mm-hmm. So they continue the kind of, uh, 
ugly character design. They do that have Rare that is known for that very English uh, character design. Yes. Oh, first of all, like the bad guy in this just looks like Gru from. But he's Despicable like a bee, right? He's like a bee. Yeah, yeah. bee Gru. And then, but yeah, there's like other characters. Like there's this like potion, uh, thing. That like that like gives you potions. Uh-huh. It looks like a mix between the wardrobe from Beauty and the Beast and like that putt putt car from early CD ROM. Sure, okay. And nobody wants that. Or from like those uh, Chevron commercials where like the yeah, car is exactly. <laughs> made of clay. Yeah, like I don't. It just doesn't appeal to me. Um, but it but the game does do some interesting things. Like I just encountered for the first time, you go through a level and then you're kind of because. You, uh, in order to get into levels, you open these like storybook type things and then go into them. And then uh, there's this kind of like isometric view, um, like 3D-ish overworld that you explore in. So, you know, I ran into a dead end where I just did the level and there was nowhere for me to go. And so the tutorial's kind of like, oh, take this frozen berry and put it on the book. And so the... Uh, it now becomes like a frozen level instead of a kind of water That's level. Cool. From before. Yeah. So it does some interesting things. Like there's a lot to like about it. I just feel like I haven't gotten to the point in the platforming where I'm like super enjoying the platforming. But also I remember when we played tropical freeze for the first time, that first, like just regular jungle level is kind of meh. It's not until you get into the second like right. world that it really starts showing how good it is. And so I feel like I still need to give more time to it. Um, but yeah, it's been interesting to try it after all of just hearing about it all this time. Have you attempted the impossible layer itself yet? So you have to as part of kind of oh. like the beginning, but but you are definitely like doomed to fail. You just don't have the tools to be successful at this point. Because, uh, sorry, another interesting thing, I talked about the horrifying potion person or thing but w- I kind of like the potion mechanic, which is that you are, you know, collecting, I can't remember what they call them. They're like, they look like feathers and you're, or like quills, ghost quills. That's what they are. And so you're collecting them and that's kind of the currency of the game. And um, at you find potions in the overworld and the potions give you certain like, power-ups or just different like abilities and then before you go into a level you can equip up to three of them and so you can kind of choose you know what you want your strength to be going into this level and all that kind of stuff and it affects how many like bonus quills you get uh so it's yeah it is like there's a lot going on it seems really interesting i just have not found the the actual platforming mechanics itself have not like clicked for me yet sure do you feel like you have a uh a grasp on that sort of like loadout stuff like before you go in do you think you have like an idea of how to make your experience in one level better or do you think you still need to experiment with it a little bit there are like at least it seems like there's like a hundred different potions and i've maybe unlocked three of them so Hmm. there's so much more you know for me to get into um but so so i think i'm just barely scratching the surface so I think the answer to your question is no, but uh, but it seems like if you really like uh, were diligent about collecting potions and were very like knew what your goal was going into a level that you could potentially build a loadout that's like ideal. Yeah, it's it's so interesting to like actually get to the point where you understand all the systems of a game. Um, like I remember thinking about that while playing 
so, you know, even something as like simple as Cuphead, um, where like there are different weapons and then like different charms that you can equip to sort of like change, you know, exactly what it is where where you have an advantage in this this boss fight. Um, but like you know, the first like couple hours that you're playing it, you're just trying to wrap your head around what's happening moment to moment, and not like the sort of meta game around it. But like discovering and really engaging with those things is like that's when you know you're like really grooving with a game yeah exactly and so it's always hard when you're starting like a new game in a new like franchise you've never experienced before to uh like do the work to get to that point instead of just what i'm trying to prevent is just being like oh this didn't immediately i wasn't immediately amazing at this so i'm just gonna drop it and go back to like super mario world which i played like a million times right this isn't the clarinet in fifth grade like, <laughs> right you, right you, you gotta stick with this yeah. if you want to see some returns exactly um uh, well, that's great. Uh, it are, is you're not sure if you would recommend it at this point. I think I'm way too early. Way too early. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm way just way too early. Uh, Mark, I think we've both also been playing uh, Tetris 99 this last weekend. Of course, there was a Tetris Maximus Cup, the 31st Tetris Maximus Cup, uh, with the Kirby's Dream Buffet theme kind of baked into it. Um. I, I was traveling this weekend, uh, so you did send me a text to say, don't forget, you got to get this theme. Mark, I was already on the case. <laughs> um, I should have known. I should have doubted. should have known. Um, uh, were you successful in getting this theme? I was, yes. Um, and I think we talked about it when this was announced. There are already so many Kirby themes yes. for Tetris Max. Four of them. Tetris yes. 99. But, uh, man, Kirby has good music. Kirby has good music. I like the arrangements for this music a lot. Um, it was mentioned in, in our Discord, but uh, it's also something that Sarah said when she walked into the room, where she was like, oh, it's like a ska version of Kirby, um, which it is. Uh -huh. uh, and I couldn't be any happier <laughs> than, <laughs> than to have a, a ska version of Kirby playing while I play Tetris. Um, yeah, it, it, it was great. I was not able to secure a number one finish this weekend. Uh, and I put in like, Especially on Sunday, uh, Sarah and I both played a lot, um, and the highest I got was second, and I, I think I got that three times, um, but could not pull off a first place finish. I usually takes me a while to, I would say generally it takes me about an hour to get the theme, um, because I vacillate between like getting into the top 20 and then like getting decimated at number 89, right. you know what I mean? Which gives you no like, points. Exactly. So yeah. Um, but I feel like for me, if I can do it in an hour, I'm feeling, feeling good. Yeah. About my feeling progress. good. Did you enjoy your time playing? Yeah. It, yeah. I, I can't remember, you know, the last time I did, it was probably the last Tetris Maximus yeah, cup, like which was a long April. time yeah. ago. So, uh, it was fun to get back into it. Uh, it makes me hopeful that they're going to just continue to, uh, to, to make these things. Yeah. Uh, Mark, you have a, a curious item listed here on our uh, what we've been playing. Well, so you and I talked, I think it maybe it was even last week, about it's so crazy that Fire Emblem Engage is about one month away, yeah. almost exactly, maybe exactly from being released, and I feel like I know so little about it. Um, and I got a, a marketing survey from Nintendo uh, just like a couple of days ago that was asking me about... Fire, Fire Emblem Engage, and um, I just thought it was, uh, I don't know if they're, like, tr trying to figure out the right message for it or how yeah. to, like, uh, market it or anything like that, but so basically the way the, the survey worked was at the beginning, it asked me all these different, like, franchises and if I had played them regularly before, 
and Fire Emblem was one of them. And then, uh, you know, uh, a couple of questions in, it asked me which Fire Emblem games had you played a lot of. And I said Fire Emblem Three Houses. Then it asked me, have you heard of Fire Emblem Engaged? And I said, yes. How <laughs> much How much have you heard? Like, how much do you know about it? And I said, yeah. like, a not, little bit. Yeah, like, not, not very much. much. Yeah. So then they asked me three different, like, marketing kind of, like, messages, explanations for uh, Fire Emblem Engage. And for me to like rank if I liked or disliked it. So let me let me read the three deal. Oh, I love this. Okay, so uh, first one: reawaken as the divine dragon and take down an ancient threat in Fire Emblem Engage. Team up with iconic heroes from past Fire Emblem games in this new RPG. And I said this one. I. Uh, like they asked, did you like or dislike the text above? And I said, uh, I am not really sure. Yeah. Like kind of indifferent to it. The second one is a take on turn-based tactical combat and use emblem rings to customize your strategy. Wield the rings this January in Fire Emblem Engage. And I said, I don't like this one at all. No, that's bad. That's bad copy. And then the third one was reawaken as the divine dragon and take down an ancient threat this January in Fire Emblem Engage. Take on turn-based tactical combat and use emblem rings to customize your strategy. And I said this one, like, I like it a bit. Yeah. I and, think I think I'm in line with with all of those, with all of that assessment. Because at the end they asked, like, what like here are the three again. Like what would make you happy? Wait, well, they're like, here are the three again. Which one is your favorite? And none of these sound interesting was an option. Right. And that's the one, that is what I chose. And then they asked why I chose that. And what I said is that, so the first one, reawaken as the divine dragon and take down an ancient threat in Fire Emblem Engage. Team up with iconic heroes from past Fire Emblem games in this new RPG. I said that one, like, the I don't know past Fire Emblem heroes that well. So it makes me feel like, oh, is this game for me? Like, will I not appreciate it? Because right. I'm not, I don't have that much familiarity with these characters. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that was such a strength of Three Houses was it didn't matter if you knew other Fire Emblem games, right? right it had like right. hooks of its own. Yeah, I mean, it's for, for me, it's uh, what it, where it's really lacking is in that initial pitch of like Awaken as the Ancient... What is it? Divine How, Dragon, yeah. Uh, Reawaken as, as the Divine, divine Dragon. Because I don't know what that means. Um, and like... The divine dragon. I just, I just feel like it's that's a uh, grandiose to the point of meaninglessness. Well, and that's what I said about the second and third one: the take on turn-based tactical combat and use emblem rings to customize your strategy, and then reawaken as the divine dragon and take down an ancient threat this January and Fire Emblem Engage. Where it was just like, this sounds like it could be any game ever. Like, yeah. there's nothing specific in here that makes me be like, oh, that sounds interesting or unique, or I want to play that. And that basically sums up my, my where I'm at with Fire Emblem Engage right now. If I had not played Three Houses and really liked Three Houses, this game would be doing nothing, nothing for, for me yeah. because it just seems so generic. I just feel like Fire Emblem, to me, kind of has this uh, snake eating its own tail thing going on where it's like, what is in here for people who are not already fans of Fire Emblem? Yeah, yeah. And Three Houses was able to do that really well because the pitch is so clean and so easy of, like, it's a school. It's Harry Potter but Fire Emblem. Exactly, you know? yeah. Um, but also a little bit Game of Thrones, you know, because there's this, like, intrigue and uh, stealing of uh, 
you know, ancient houses and stuff like that. Um, but like, that's really what they should be leaning into is like the game of Thrones element of it. Right. The, the high drama, the high, uh, like monarchs. What am I saying here? Like the, the sort of like regal intrigue. Right. Um, cause that's what all those games end up being about anyway. Um, yeah, I, I've noticed that a lot of the marketing that I've been seeing for it lately is revealing uh, other uh, emblems that you can uh, that you can summon emblems or yeah uh, yeah I think that's whatever right. they, whatever they're calling them, um, which like is cool. I'm seeing characters that I know and characters that um, I like, but I'm also seeing characters that I've never seen before because you know a lot of these games never came. Uh, were released outside of japan so like um there's a lot of like even for a someone who considers themselves a fan of fire emblem like i've still only played you know like four fire emblem games and but that represents like 500 hours of gameplay right right um so i don't know i feel like i've earned the right to feel you know to like get a payout from playing this new one that uh has like an end game like uh assembling of of the heroes um but yeah i don't i mean i'm in on this one right like i'm part of that ouroboros that you described before um i'll get in there it's eating its own tail just insert myself in uh (laughs) get gobbled up get gobbled up um but yeah, I mean it's it that's very interesting like that how they're trying to advertise this Yeah, thing. it just feels to me like they it, for s- somebody in my position that like they just don't know how to market this game. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right to me. Um Mark, I've been playing Crisis Core Final Fantasy 7 Reunion uh on the Switch. I picked it up on the Switch so I could play it while traveling. Um and I had never played Crisis Core before. Um, I, it was a game that I was like intensely aware of. Um, you know, I really all of the uh, Final Fantasy VII spinoff things uh, like held a place of curiosity for me. Um, but were released in such like strange places and and ways that like uh, outside of Advent Children, the uh, just CG movie, um, I didn't really engage with any of them when when they originally came out. Um, and uh, so I, all I really knew about Crisis Core was that it's uh, basically the story of Zack, who is uh, one of Cloud's early friends in, in Soldier, and it takes place before the um, events of the game, uh, includes Sephiroth in a big way. Um, uh, and then I won't say too much more just to avoid spoilers for Final Fantasy VII. Um, but uh, it is shocking to me how much of the DNA of Final Fantasy VII Remake uh comes from crisis core that's so interesting um that like the the uh sort of linear nature of uh uh the the missions that you're going on final fantasy 7 remake you know does them all in like discrete chapters um and like so does this game calls them chapters uh, and i know a lot of like the ui has been updated to sort of reflect what final fantasy 7 remake looks like but i mean like it it is amazing to me it feels like uh all remake was was uh taking the crisis core aesthetic uh with brand new graphics and remaking final fantasy 7 that's kind of cool can you imagine going back in time and telling somebody who's playing uh crisis core on the psp to be yeah. like oh this is what the this is what the final fantasy 7 this is remake, what the new one's gonna when be it like. finally happens yeah it's gonna be like um and obviously there there are like differences here and there but like it it, it is it is remarkable how much it's like that um 
and there there are also these uh like missions that you can take on as as you're playing the game. I'm still pretty early. I've maybe played like two or three hours. Um, but there are these missions that you can take on that are like uh VR missions that are um mostly just combat experiences uh that you can uh go through to try and earn upgrades and new materia, which are the things that let you cast spells and and stuff like that. Um and I love it because uh, it's just the game is so like mainline just the combat anyway, like combat with like little bits of story. Like there's not really exploration in this game or um, like you you do mess with your own loadout. But like, you know, it's not it doesn't feel like an, an RPG really. Um, but I'm I'm sort of loving it. Like just give me this like satisfying uh, combat where I'm, you know, waiting for like the right time to cast my spells and like use my magic and use limit breaks and all this kind of stuff. Um, it just feels so good that I just want them to keep feeding new combat scenarios to me and just keep playing it. Like, that, I love it. That's fun. I, I feel like, you know, we sometimes talk about when we play Sega Genesis games or um, just like new indie games that feel like lost 16-bit RPGs that, you know, we love so much as a kid. Yeah. I just imagine that somebody for someone who loves Final Fantasy VII as much as you do, and having this whole like new Final Fantasy kind of like side story to explore, yeah, just seems really cool, like a fun experience. It 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 very much is. Although it doesn't feel like like sometimes when we're playing Sega Genesis games, I feel like I'm experiencing an alternate history or like imagining an alternate uh, history where like these were the games that became successful and we're you know playing. Uh, now we all look back fondly at Altered Beast sixty four or whatever. Um, but like this just feels new to me. Um, and like, you know, some of, some of the control is like a, a little inelegant. Um, and, uh, I guess really that's it. That's really my, my only complaint is that sometimes I'm like trying to position myself in front of a, a treasure chest and it's not as easy as I want it to be. Um, but otherwise it feels like a brand new game. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled with it. Uh, and, uh, I'm having a fun time playing it on the switch. All right, Mark, let's, uh, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week last week four new games came out for sega genesis nintendo switch online uh on december 15th alien storm columns golden axe 2 and virtua fighter 2 all released important to note here that this is the sega genesis version of virtua fighter 2 which i have to say I didn't realize a Sega Genesis version of Virtual Fighter 2 ever came out. Yeah, what would what does that look like? Bad. <laughs> <laughs> it looks bad. Um and not bad in a Virtual Fighter kind of way. Um you know cuz Virtual Fighter uh really leans into the low poly look, right? Like you can you can count the polygons on the characters' heads and it's so charming in that way. Um and the Genesis version uses like big sprites um, that don't look very good. I messed around with it for a little bit uh, over the weekend, uh, and it is uh, it's it's kind of a mess, Mark. It's kind of a mess of a game. I also played a little bit of Alien Storm, um, which is like a, a brawler uh, where you play as a couple different characters, uh, and they have I so I was playing as this guy with like a like a cattle prod kind of. Um, and his, you can't jump, um, and his attacks, uh, like drain his energy. Uh, so like your energy can go away and then you're just like swinging the cattle prod instead of like shooting electricity from it. And, 
he has another attack that like calls in an airstrike and just like nukes everyone on the screen. Um, but that also costs energy. So I was like really early in every level, just like running out of all my resources <laughs> uh, and uh, f- found it to be not fun. But I would like to try Golden Axe 2 with you. Yes. I mean, when we played the original Golden Axe for uh, Sega Genesis holidays i can't remember what we called yeah, it yeah i don't remember like either. for two yeah. weeks at the end of the year um i did we <laughs> my memory is that we ended up having fun with golden axe but i can't remember if it was just because, it was an uphill battle but uh-huh. we did yeah because well, if, if you recall uh like we played it and we were like okay this is sort of fun and then we like got far got frustrated and we we're like this sucks um but they were like okay well let's try again and it was look this shouldn't be a surprise this is how video games work but as we learned more about the <laughs> right, game, yeah, exactly. we were like, oh, we're getting better at it now. We can actually get further in it. Um, but honestly, outside of a handful of like really good brawlers, I would say that is not the case for, for brawlers, right? Like either you can muscle your way through them or you can't. Um, and the original Golden Axe, like we got pretty far. Yeah, and, we did get better. It, yeah. it was, and we ended up having a lot of fun is my memory. So yeah, it would be fun to play Golden Axe 2 for sure. <laughs> Don't go back to see what we actually said about <laughs> it. May, maybe we didn't like it at, at the time. Uh, otherwise, not much else coming out this week. That we know of. Can I posit, can I, or can I just pose a question? Uh, please. Sports story. Oh my gosh, you're right. That's supposed to come out this month. Yeah, and as far as days in this month go, we're running out. Yeah. Where you at, Sports Story? Oh, yeah. That would be kind of funny if, if it uh, just if didn't, it just come, didn't out come out during this window. <laughs> I totally forgot. I wonder if it'll be... Yeah, you're right. So maybe any day now, uh, we're the sort of Sports Story <laughs> hanging over our head. The Sport of Damocles. How about <laughs> that's that? That's right. That's there good. We, go. that's we got there. Good. We got there. Um, all right. Uh, Mark, let's close out the new releases. Which brings us to a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, 433, wherein a performer or group of performers didn't play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Uh, Mark, today we are going to be playing... We've been doing some holiday stuff. We are going to play the box office game with holiday movies. Uh, so I have the uh, a list of the top 36 uh, highest grossing holiday movies of all time. Um, I think we'll start at number one. Okay. Uh, I'll tell you the year it, ca- it came out and it's gross. Okay. Um, and then uh, you can ask me like questions about it to try and like narrow in what it is. And we can go as far through this list as we can before time runs out. Okay, great. Um, and, and any question you want to ask, like, you know, it's, uh, we'll, I think it's all within reason, right? Sounds good. Okay. So number one, most high, highest grossing Christmas film of all time came out in the year, uh, 2018 and it's gross is, uh, 511 million. 2018, 2018 million. Yeah. And it's a holiday movie. It's a holiday is it, movie. Is it like explicitly? Holiday? Y- yes. Yes, it is. Oh, man. Uh, does it star The Rock? It does, it does not star The Rock, no. Okay. Um, is it based on a book? It is based on a book. Is it based on 
a is it a children's book? Yeah. Is it a picture book? Yes. I'm going to say yes to picture book. Okay. Is it a Dr. Seuss book? Yes. 2018. What Dr. Seuss movie came out? It's the highest grossing holiday film of all time. Is it the is this worldwide box office or domestic? Okay, I'm going to guess that it's the Grinch it animated the Grinch. movie starring yes. Benedict Cumberbatch. It is, yes. And so it, these must be worldwide box office numbers then, because there's no way that in the U.S. alone that movie made like $500 million. Uh, I, well, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, five, $500 million is, would, would be an awful lot. Okay, number two comes out 1990. Okay. $468 million. 19, okay, all right. Sorry, 476. Is that what I said? No, okay. I don't think so. Uh, Home Alone. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, number three comes out 1992. Home Alone 2, Boston, yes, New York. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and it's uh, $358 million. So made like $120 million less than, than the original. Uh, all right. Number four comes out in the year 2000. Okay, this is uh, Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. That's right. Carey. That's right. Okay. That's, that's right. Um, so amazing that the top four are Grinch, Home Alone, Home Alone, Grinch. <laughs> uh, number five. Number five highest grossing uh, holiday movie of all time comes out in 2009, makes uh, $325 million. Okay, is this another Jim Carrey movie? It is another Jim Carrey movie. Is it um, uh, uh, also based on a children's like book series? No. Oh, okay. I mean, I think it's you're another? jumping the gun and moving on to the next one, which is not Jim Carrey, but huh. not a children's book series, but based on a book. Oh, okay, so is it um, uh, this... I. This or a play, a book and a play. Okay, this can't be true, but is it like that stu- like mocap Christmas Carol? It's the mocap Christmas Carol. Oh my yes. Gosh. Yep. Two thousand nine, uh, number five highest grossing movie, uh, Christmas movie of all time. Uh, let's go on to number six because we got the time. Um, comes out in two thousand four. Polar Express. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, and I guess we'll never know the the rest. Uh, all right, uh, we were actually let's. I, I just want let, let's talk through the uh, uh, the, the rest of, of of the top ten. Okay. Um, number seven is Love Actually. Number eight is Elf. Number nine is The Holiday, and number ten is The Santa Claus. Wow, that's a really strong showing for the holiday. It's a it's a very strong showing for so the holiday. So did that mean it made like two hundred million dollars? Yeah, Holiday made two hundred five oh million dollars. Um, and the Santa Claus made one hundred ninety uh, million dollars. It's crazy that the oldest of these movies is uh home alone wow that like none of none of the movies that we think of as like christmas classics uh fall onto this list all right we were accompanied today by the ebu your radio orchestra uh mark let's get into the news we now have an opening date for super nintendo world at universal studios hollywood it's February 17th, 2023, so not very far away at all at this point. Uh, Mark, it's so close. It is very close. We're almost there. Yeah. I feel like it, um, maybe we should, maybe not opening day, but we should try to get there in February. Uh, I mean, but why not opening day? Do you know what? That's such a good point. Because, okay, when... First of all, if the Pirates of the Caribbean breaks down, the pirates don't eat the tourists. But also, uh, Galaxy's Edge, when it opened up, like, kind of a ghost town, right? Yeah, that's true. But they did such a 
like they warned us. All they talked about was like yeah. how busy it was going to be. It's going to be this huge success. Don't come, don't come, don't, don't come. Uh huh. Right. And so they kind of scared everybody into not going. Right. And but this one, I don't, I don't know what the case is going to be. But anyways, you're right. Why not go the first day? Let's go the first day. I wonder if we should do some sort of. Uh, and th- we'll have to fig- think about this. But I guess listeners, let us know if you'd be interested in some sort of meetup. Yeah, we would totally do that. And I think it would be fun to... Well, and so maybe that is a better better argument for doing it on... Because that's a Friday. Uh-huh. Um, so maybe that's a better argument for going on like Saturday or uh, Sunday. I mean, honestly, I could see going twice in <laughs> in the first weekend. <laughs> um, But yeah, let us know if you're interested and maybe we can pl- uh, plan something on our Discord, get people together. But yeah, February 17th, 2023, not that far away. Um, we, and they officially announced what it was going to include, uh, if you are, if you know, or have followed any of the coverage on the, uh, Universal Studios Japan, Super Nintendo World, no real surprises here. So Mario Kart Bowser's Challenge is kind of like the big e-ticket. Um, they offer power-up bands that you can buy and then you can use them to interact with things in the world and, you know, collect points. Um, Toadstool Cafe, which, uh... I think I want to die at Toadstool Cafe. Like it, it looks pretty cute. It's super cute. Um, can't wait to meet that chunky toad. And then uh, the One Up Factory memorabilia shop. Uh, one thing again, if you have been paying attention to coverage out of Japan, that you do not see here is the Yoshi kind of like dark ride yeah. that they have there. Not um, coming to Hollywood, but presumably coming to Universal Studios Orlando when uh, Super Nintendo World opens there at their new Epic Universe theme park. But still uh, exciting to exciting to check this out. And uh, just exciting for there to be like another thing at Universal. I always feel like I enjoy my time when I go to Universal Studios, but I feel like it's always missing like one more like decent attraction. Yeah, right? totally. Uh, and I, I'm hoping that this Mario Kart uh, Bowser's Challenge like fills that role, um, especially like, because it's in the lower level of the park, right? Uh-huh. Um, and like down in the lower level of the park, I like I love that Jurassic World ride, um, and like the Mummy is a, is a lot of fun. But then I'm like, what now? Uh-huh. Uh huh. And if this is also down there, that's one more thing we can do. Yeah, I'm also uh, they haven't announced anything, and I'm kind of disappointed because maybe it's making me think that it's not happening. But I would love for them to open an official Nintendo store at CityWalk yeah. in Hollywood. Yeah, why not? Right? Yeah. I mean, probably because the rent is outrageous. But, like, they must begin to... They, I feel like they'd have to get a sweetheart deal. Yeah. You yeah, know, you would they, think so. they have such a close connection. Plus, it's like, it's Nintendo. They'd be fine. They can afford it. Yeah. What, There's I a mean, hot that, topic that, that's there. That's a great point. You're right. <laughs> You're right. What's a, what's a bigger company? Nintendo or Bubba Gump Shrimp Factory? Like, <laughs> shrimp, shrimp Factory? That can't be right. <laughs> shrimp company? Company. company. Okay. Company. Right. But, um, Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> But I'm I'm super excited for this, and uh, it'd be fun to meet up with listeners and all experience this together. Yeah. Uh, Square Enix announced this weekend that the Final Fantasy Pixel remasters are, in fact, coming to consoles. After that leak of the ESRB, I guess it's not even a leak, just the ESRB uh, rated them for uh, Switch and PlayStation 4 last week. Now we have confirmation. Yep. Uh, they're coming in spring 2023. The pricing seems consistent with the Steam and mobile versions. So 12 for 1 and 2, and then 18 for 3 through 6. And so a physical version of all six games uh, was up for pre-order on Square Enix's site for like $75, uh, $74.99. But last I saw was sold out pretty quickly. Yeah. However, 
if you're really interested, uh, oh, you have a good note in here, Patrick, which 75 bucks seems high, but individually you're paying like 96. Right, right. If you were to buy each of the games in the remaster, uh, it would cost you $96. 75 is more than you would ever pay for a Switch game uh, under any other circumstance. But the fact that it is six individual games, you are saving like 20 bucks, which like... You know that's that's one uh, of the of the uh, fourth or three through six. So like, you know, I can sort of justify like because I, I I'm not interested really in playing two, um, and I could get by without playing three. But at that point, like, I I really want to buy one, four, five, six, and so that's uh you know what it's like almost the seventy dollars anyway. So I'm kind of like I should just get the whole package, right? Yeah. Although I, if you haven't you not already be bought it, to, yeah. I don't know that you're going to be able to. However, you may be able to get... No, this the... is also, you can't order this anymore. Either. Oh, really? This yeah. sold out? They, yeah. There was a 35th anniversary edition, which didn't sell out as fast, for $260. Um, that included the Final Fantasy 1 through 6 collection game package with lenticular sleeve, a Final Fantasy pixel remaster vinyl soundtrack. Um, I think it's like two... It's two, it's two, uh, what do they, uh, they call them, like graphic discs uh-huh. or where, where there are images printed right on them. Oh, got it. An art book, a pixel figure set. So it's a, it's a tidy little package, but uh, costs a pretty penny. It, I mean, like truly a pretty penny. Like that is so much money. When I saw that this, this, this thing was available, I got so excited. I was like, I'm going to, this is going to be a dumb thing that I hide from Sarah <laughs> after I buy it because I'll be embarrassed that I spent money on it. Uh, and I, as, as I'm like loading it up and like you have to click through all these things, be like, I want for the Switch and I want this version of it. Um, and I was like, okay, as long as it's under, I said to myself, $180. I was like, there's no way it's going to be over $180. That's so much money. Knowing full well that I would probably budge all the way up to 200 you know? Um, and then it's just 260 yeah. And like, I I could I could just I no I can't I couldn't justify it like there's no justifying it I would only have to say like I'm paying too much money because I want it <laughs> right uh, and so I, I I let it go did did not pre-order yeah I mean it's a again like the stuff that's in it is cool but that is a lot of money I mean also I don't have a a record player <laughs> <laughs> right so so like there's that part of it that doesn't make any sense and then like so that the, the the did, have you looked at the the pixel figures? They're, they're no, eight, I didn't look that closely. Um, they're pretty cool. Um, you know, there's a a a, a, a black mage, a white mage, um, uh, Cecil from Final Fantasy IV, uh, Terra from Final Fantasy VI, uh, and then you know four others in there from across the series. And they look really neat, and they're really like nostalgic and cool and all. Um, but it's just like where 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 am I gonna put? There's eight of them. Like where <laughs> I, I don't have like space to like display eight more things. Yeah, you could use them as like a, a Final Fantasy like menorah. Just yeah, add I, one. I suppose you could to the display. Um, I d- so this is that was crazy expensive. It's kind of a bummer that all like the physical versions are sold out. But I have to say, I am glad that this is official and that these games are coming to console. Yeah, I would like to do something Final Fantasy next year. Um, you know, we, I know that any role-playing game and any JRPG is like a huge time investment. Um, but I want you and I to do something Final Fantasy next year. That'd be fun. I'm st- I'm planting my flag right now. Mentally prepare yourself for, we're going to play a Final Fantasy game next year. Could it be Chocobo Racing? Nope. Okay. <laughs> well, glad I asked. It could also be Chocobo <laughs> Racing. 
Um, we also got release dates for the Sephiroth and Kazuya. Sorry, I want to go back to the. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, of course. So the, the, there's one more piece here um, about the font size uh, in in the uh, Pixel remasters. Um, there in, in the uh, North American, I guess uh, probably European too. Anywhere that has a uh, um, uh, non-Japanese like language uh, tracks on them for the Steam and mobile versions, the font is this atrocious like obscenely narrow text um, that is just really hard to read, especially on uh, smaller screens. And so the hope and the sort of rumor was that they were going to be addressing that with a different font for console releases. Um, but all of the screenshots that included text uh, accompanying this announcement that they were coming to consoles included the old font. Uh, but those screenshots were short lived they oh. have they have been scrubbed from the internet they no longer exist which sort of lends credence to this uh reported this idea that is reported from a uh, website called rpg site um that the that there was going to be a new font for the switch and ps4 ports is any of that confirmed is any of that real uh, any no it is not confirmed is it real we don't know yet um but the the fact that all of the uh, marketing material rem has since removed the old screenshots from the Steam and mobile version uh, sort of suggests that there is going to be at least that change to the console versions. Oh, interesting. Well, that'd be nice. That'd be great. I'm very, I'm anxious to see it because like uh, a, a lot for, I just want to see like the old uh, like lumpy, uh, like pixel heavy 16 bit, um, you know, uh, text on there, but I'm certain it's going to be uh, something just a little bit different from what I want. But as long as it's not this like hyper narrow, have you seen those screenshots of like of of this font? Yeah, I action? remember when the pixel when the pixel remasters first released. Yeah, it's brutal. We also got release dates for the Sephiroth and Kazuya Super Smash Brothers Amiibo, and they'll be releasing on January 13th, 2023, and each cost 15.99, and you can pre-order them now. As part of this announcement, we also got confirmation that the Pyra and Mithra amiibo are also slated for release in 2023, though no release date, like specific release date, was given. Right. And uh, also no mention of like other uh, amiibo past uh, these guys, um, which at this point, is that just Sora? That or? was going to be my question. I don't, I don't think Sora was ever... We, a Sora, Sora was one, never confirmed. A one was right. never announced. And so at this point, I'm just assuming is not happening. Um, so yeah, I think Pyron Mithra might be it. Uh, yeah, I mean, they. here's the thing. Uh, we, we also got like a good look at all of these Amiibo. They're looking good. Uh, the, the designs on these things are solid, as, as always. Yeah. Do you, have you already pre-ordered the Sephiroth one? Do you have, think you will get it? I have not. I don't have Cloud. Oh. Uh, which is a failing on my part. I <laughs> should have Cloud. Um, but so, yeah, may maybe I should. Do I not have Cloud? I, you know, I say that, and then it sounds insane to me. <laughs> Why would I not have Cloud? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Mark, thank you. Speaking of release dates, uh, we also got them for Persona 3 Portable and Persona 4 Golden. Both are going to be available on January 19th, 2023 and uh these ports include high-res graphics difficulty settings at the start which uh normally previously have only been available on second playthroughs will have quick save which is pretty cool and are only 20 bucks each uh all of this seems like good news and like surprisingly good news i can't believe these games are coming out so soon yeah uh, january 19th 
is not that long after Persona 5 Royal came out, and then these are both being released at the same time. I sort of thought they would like kind of space them out through like the rest of the year, um, and not release both these games, uh, you know, at in in one go. And twenty bucks is a a, a decent price for yeah. a, a hundred hour RPG. Mario Kart 7, which released on the Nintendo 3DS in December 2011, got a new update last week. <laughs> Version 1.2 is available now. And uh, it seems like the update is mostly addressing a security exploit that was present in the original release, um, which probably is the only reason that it's getting an update so close to people just not being able to buy it new right. I in mean, March that's, of next year. I, the, w- it is, it is of course, crazy to be like, this game is getting an update. It's been out for uh, 11 years uh, on a platform that is no longer really supported by, by Nintendo. But uh, like even crazier when you consider that uh, you can't buy the game digitally uh, after March, uh, that the, the eShop is going to get shut down. And even day. now, you kind of have to jump through some hoops you gotta to jump do it through in the first place. Now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's I, I do like that uh, it was being pushed out and it, like no one really knew what it was. So there was a brief moment where I was like, "What? Why are they up? Why are they updating this game?" <laughs> Mario Kart Seven Booster Course Pass. Yeah, that's right. It's it, it's getting uh, forty eight new tracks. <laughs> um, I, I looked it up and yeah, uh, uh, the Sora Amiibo would be the the last one of of the characters not accounted for in the um ultimate fighters pass volume two crazy because it it feels feasible that these smash brothers amiibo are going to be it you know occasionally you know we got a metroid dread one right and so uh and splatoon 3 and splatoon 3 so it doesn't seem impossible but on the other hand it seems completely reasonable to me that like this might just end up being it yeah i think in a lot of ways uh where the amiibo are concerned is they're just like fulfilling their obligations like you have to finish the smash set minus maybe Sora mm-hmm. um and like Splatoon has always done it uh and it's always been like the the three the set of three and then for the idols eventually um but yeah I just I I wonder it, if they if they release like a new IP or like some something like that has not had Amiibo before are they even going to bother uh making Amiibo for it the one thing I think of is when this last I think it was the last like trailer direct for the Super Mario Brothers movie, and Miyamoto made a point of being like, "Isn't Donkey Kong so cute now? We kind of redesigned him." Yeah. And if that new Donkey Kong game does exist, that one that's been rumored for a few years, yeah, and it's using this redesigned Donkey Kong, maybe we would get an amiibo for that with like this new Donkey Kong design. Yeah, but... I mean Mario movie Mario movie amiibo. Yeah. Like why not? Why not? Why not bring these things out? Um, but like, do you think we're gonna get a like Tears of the Kingdom like Link amiibo? Oh man, no, I don't. I I, wow. I don't. I don't think we'll get amiibo for Tears of the Kingdom. Did we get one for Link Between Worlds? I don't think we did. No, I don't think we did either. It's weird. Although that would have been cute. It would have been cute. Who would you want? Uh, I would want um the uh uh the little like. Uh, vendor rabbit looking dude. Ravio? Uh-huh, Ravio. I would like Ravio and is it Hilda, the, the, yes, the Hilda. Zelda analog? Uh-huh. I would like a pair of those two. That, I think that fun. would be great. I brought us like backwards in time too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, never enough Amiibo talk. <laughs> and finally, uh, Nintendo has announced a new Splatoon 3 Splatfest. As always, it's a three-way contest between spicy, sweet, and sour. 
And the event will run from Friday, January 6th at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Sunday, January 8th at 4 p.m. Pacific time. Mark, how are you feeling about that theme? Ooh, I like it. I And I'm torn because I like all three of these things. Yeah. So. Yeah, they're tastes. Uh-huh. But. I, I do love that uh, we are not including bitter. No. Bitter, not part of this. Uh-uh. Also, umami, hit the bricks. <laughs> Don't care for it. Never have. You're not part of this. Spicy, sweet, and sour. That's all we're doing. Uh-huh. Um, I'm leaning towards spicy, but my order of preference would yes. be, I think, spicy, sour, then sweet. I think that spicy is going to be the favorite. I'm putting my that chips... That appears to be the case, just from online chatter. Yeah. Yes. Um, but also, like, that feels intuitive, right? That, like... Um, there's something about spice, like people are proud of their ability to like handle spicy stuff. Um, and like, I don't know, it, it just feels like in line with like, I'm going to say gaming culture. And I don't mean that like derogatorily or even in the way that like it can be used. Uh, but just like gaming culture in general is like, yeah, spicy, like that, that's a fun thing that we can all like, there's a competitive like angle to it. Uh, so I think Splatoon players are going to flock to spicy. And then I think sweet is going to be a, a runner-up of, like, everyone likes sweets. We all like to be cute and be like, ooh, I like a sweet. Uh, and then sour, I think sour is going to get, like, 8% of players. And so do you think that – because sometimes in Splatoon 2, I feel like the least – the less popular of the two choices oh, yeah, interesting. usually ended up winning. Um, but – I think it's going to be Splatoon such 3, a landslide. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, that there's something about the three-way split that like just like throws everything off. Um, but yeah, I I understand the logic of spicy. I like spicy food too. I've got a real mean uh, sweet tooth, which whenever I can make like an active decision to not engage with it, I'll I'll do that. So I'm not going to go sweets. I think I'm going sour. Going sour. I think I'm going sour. It's a good choice. Sour uh, Patch Kids. Sure. Kind of sweet too. <laughs> A little bit of both. Yep, yep. A little bit of both. Um, what do you think about the the timing of this thing? Uh, like first first full weekend in January, kick it off the new year. Yeah, exactly. Give people a little bit of time to enjoy the holidays and then get into Splatoon three. It's actually great timing for people who get switches uh, over Christmas or you know get Splatoon three gifted to them. Yeah, and um, they have a a Splatfest to look forward to right after the new year. Uh, all right. Well, let us know if you're going to be uh, playing in this thing and what team you're going to be joining. Either Team Spicy, which is Mark's team, or Team Sour, which is my team, which is going to lose because there's only going to be like 13 of us playing it. Um, but all right, Mark, let's get out of the news. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Discord. You should join the Discord uh, and have fun conversations with everyone in there about Nintendo. Just send us an email or tweet at us, and we will let you in. Anthony DeLuca made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8 Betty. And Mark, I will pause here um, because uh, Brian Teo, the man behind 8 Betty, uh, just released his uh, lo-fi Christmas songs as a uh, record that you can purchase at, on Bandcamp. It is a great uh, record that I absolutely love. I, I bought a copy of it, uh, and I uh, have a plan to send it out to basically everyone I know. Um, but yeah, go go in and check it out. Um, we've used Brian's music on here for a very long time. Uh, so go, go, in, go and support him there, uh, Bandcamp.com. 
Brian Teo. Search just search, search for Brian Teo, and it's a uh, it'll be in there. Um, but you can get more of his music by doing what I just said right there, or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening.